listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I'm your host, Barnabas. And I am your creepy co-host, Samael. You are indeed creepy as fuck. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> anyway, track off. Welcome <laughs> to episode 77, Tigers Never Forget. I thought elephants never forget. I don't know. Tigers probably don't forget the things that they're hunting, which uh, I guess is sort of thematic, Uh because of today's discussion, we're going to be reviewing the newest Shutter acquisition from director Isa Lopez, which is called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Yes, it was in our trailer segment a while back. Yeah, we, we did talk about it. And then, you know, uh, it's been getting a lot of critical acclaim, uh, even from big time guys like Guillermo del Toro, Stephen King, uh, Neil Gaiman, and some others really kind of like heavily fantasy influenced like writers and directors and stuff but you could tell del toro likes this i mean yeah. <laughs> dude the whole time i was watching it, i was like dude how is this not a del toro movie it's it's definitely heavily influenced and we're gonna get into all of that a little bit later in the show of course first however we have to give a shout out to our gracious host network sports radio detroit yes and you can find them on sportsradiodetroit.com their twitter page their instagram and their Facebook page, just look up SRD Sports Radio Detroit. That is SRD Sports Radio Detroit, not Detroit Sports Radio. That's right, guys. So go check them out. Uh, you know, visit the website. You can see all the other uh, awesome shows as well as grave discussions on there. And now we just have a few sponsored messages. Uh, they're going to be real brief, and then we'll have an uninterrupted show. So stay tuned, and we'll be back with grave discussions. Here at Grave Discussions, we know that addiction can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Detox Helpline help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol. Call the addiction specialist now at the Detox and Treatment Helpline 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They're always available for you, and if you have private insurance, they specialize in finding you the right treatment. Give them a call at 1-800-213-9257. That is 800-213-9257. 57. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Roger. And if you like Tigers baseball, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, analytics, pop culture references, movies, sports, food, check us out. Look for Tigers SRD on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Hey, Samuel. Hey, Barnabas. What's up? Oh, not much. Have you ever written a book? No, but I've written a musical. Oh. Well, you can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Aha, I hear countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly 100 years to bring their books to the market. Their professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, their authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books. So, make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Do not wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author. 
and seeing your name in print. Aha. Uh-huh. You've already written a book. Next thing to do is make this free call now to Dorrance Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. The number is 1-800-213-9259. Again, 1-800-213-9259. All right, Sam. So as always, there's been a lot going on uh, in the world of horror over this uh, past week or so um, since we had our last episode. And this first article is actually pretty cool. There's going to be a bunch of uh, new adaptations and projects and stuff. The first one, uh, classic show, Dark Shadows, going to be returning with uh, Dark Shadows Reincarnation. But here's the kicker. It's going to be on the CW. I just watched that about, I watched the, you know, Johnny Depp one about a month ago. So it's crazy now that they're announcing like they're doing a show now that's more of a, Really, like, living up, I guess, to the original show. Or trying to. Yeah. I believe it's supposed to be something of a sequel. So not really a reboot, which is good. Um, You know, because I think the original show pretty much ended, but it had over, like, it was, like, some crazy-ass amount of episodes. Like, over 1,500 episodes or something like that, just because it went on for so long. And, uh, which, I mean... I'm probably never going to be able to watch yeah. that entire thing, but it has a it has a big cult fan base. You know, a lot of people watched that show growing up, and um, so a lot of people are excited for this return. Personally, yeah, I've only ever seen the the Johnny Depp one as well, but I I really like that movie too. You know, it's it's pretty funny. The effects are cool. Johnny Depp as a vampire is cool. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of pumped for this. Uh, hopefully, this will be still kind of gentle for like the newer fans of the of the series you know but i mean how do you feel about it being on the cw i just hope it doesn't get too like teeny bopperish you know what i mean because i mean vampire diaries and supernatural kind of like they're just spawning all these like fangirls and stuff and it's like Oh, boy. Yeah, a lot of shows just catering to the fans, which, I mean, that's what they exist for, is is for the fans, but not necessarily to just cater to their every whim. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, we'll, we'll see how it does on that front. If it's just, like, a bunch of random teenager bullshit, then, yeah, I don't know about it. But um, hopefully, you know, it stays pretty faithful to, like, the vibe of the original series. That's all I pretty much want. That, like, creepy, gothic kind of style, you know, vibes. What if it's modern and they're in, like, a duplex? It's, it says it's going to be, like, a modern-day continuation, but I think it really just depends how they approach it. You know what I mean? Well, we're getting out of this castle. Let's get a two-story house. <laughs> yeah, it does say sexy. So, I mean, I don't know how, you know, they handled it back in whatever, the 70s or whatever, but... Yeah, we'll see. Uh, be on the lookout for that one, guys, on the CW. Next up, uh, this one is pretty cool. David Slade. I first read that as David Spade, and I was like, like what, what the fuck the is he doing? Fuck? <laughs> but David Slade is going to be directing an adaptation of Dark Harvest, which is a Halloween horror novel, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty excited because it's supposed to be set on Halloween night in 1963, which is like when you think about it, the ideal time for Halloween. It was the mm. 60s. Everyone's still out and about. No one's on their phones. There's like no fucking 3D 
Halloween decorations popping off the second story, scaring the shit out of a bunch of six-year-olds. Yeah. It's going to be, like, really what I remembered, like, watching growing up. You know, like, pre-90s Halloween, even pre-80s Halloween. Like, because that's when it was, like, way more festive. Now it's more commercialized and stuff. But, oh, well, we'll see. I'm pretty excited about this. Just the villain's name. Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the book is set... In 1963, in a small Midwestern town, hey. uh, where teenage boys eagerly square off with the butcher knife wielding October Boy, <laughs> aka Old Hacksaw Face, aka Sawtooth Jack. I think if he was just called Sawtooth Jack, like that would yeah, be cooler. Like, I don't know why he October needs like three. Boy. <laughs> He's like he's like Michi Darko, Fleezus oh, Christ, man. aka yeah. Two Cup Shakur, aka like Daddy Guerrero. Different personas yeah, or whatever. Man. Yeah, I, I don't know about all that, but uh, still, still sounds pretty cool. Um, the book cover is of like this like jack o' lantern. It's got some shit inside. It's just like on fire or something. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it sounds cool. Uh, it says the October Boy is the prize in an annual rite of life and death. So it's something like these kids got to kill this entity or thing or whatever it is um, for, for some reason. So it, it's a pretty cool concept. I've never really like heard of that kind of concept necessarily. That's sick. Well, there's another movie coming out and I saw it available for pre-order on Amazon prime, the legend of Halloween Jack. Like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I guess it fits. I don't know. It sounds like it's going to be one of those just shitty like B movies. I think it's going to be like that one movie. I don't know if you're watching Night of the Scarecrow. Yeah. Not Dark Night of the Scarecrow, but just Night of the Scarecrow from oh, the nineties. Okay. Maybe not. It's like there's just it's stupid. Never mind. Okay. I don't know. But it's it's good. <laughs> Alright, guys. Well, yeah, check out uh Dark Harvest when that comes out. It was really just announced that it's going to be done, so we don't have much more information, but I am excited about David Slade doing it. He um directed I believe directed says credits include Hard Candy, 30 Days of Night, which I loved. Uh, he worked on Hannibal and on Black Mirror Bandersnatch as well. Oh, shit. So, yeah, he, he's pretty accomplished, so I think that one could be pretty solid. And the last article uh, actually probably is the one I'm most excited about. Uh, so why don't you tell us about this one, Sam? So we are getting four sequels to Never Hike Alone by Wompstomp Films. Oh, yeah. So yeah, this one falling into the uh, fan fiction kind of horror uh, genre, but you know what? The original kind of blew up. It was actually really good. Yeah, we got the Blu-ray release. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now they're actually going to be re-releasing re it. They're funding uh, the second one right now on Never Hike in the Winter. Yeah. I think they're trying Never to get... Never Hike in the Snow, I think. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> snow, yeah. cold, but they're, they're going for 50K and you know they're going to get way more than that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, a lot of people also really like Never Hike Alone. This one finally going to be giving us Jason in the snow like I think a lot of people wanted. And this one's a prequel. Yeah. It's like three months before Never Hike Alone. Right. So that that's really cool. Uh, we're going to see Jason just tear shit up. It does kind of imply that there's going to be no Tommy Jarvis, but... Never Hike Alone Part 2 might. Possibly at the end. And 3. But, yeah, 3 is called jason takes crystal lake and never hike alone four is going to be called the final hike and on the posters of uh three and four actually you actually do see tommy jarvis so i think those are going to be like you know the sequels to never hike alone i'm surprised they got him to come back for these fan films it's pretty cool yeah. you could tell he cares about like the franchise and 
appreciation like that the fans have for Tommy and mm-hmm. CJ Graham and everyone that was involved in part six because that's arguably the best Friday the 13th film. Yeah. It's my personal favorite. And Same. I think it's what most one. people, at least most of like the more serious horror fans, you know, think of when they think of Jason Voorhees and Friday the 13th and whatnot because that's, you know, Jason versus Tommy and et cetera. And the birth of, you know, Jason as he's kind of known. The right zombie now. deadite yeah. Jason. Yeah, it was the first one. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think it's cool that they're continuing the saga with this. I think that um, Tom Matthews, you know, probably also feels like he's coming into this to continue that story since all the legal trouble and everything is holding up the actual main franchise. But but yeah, no, this is super dope. Uh, Right now, as Sam mentioned, there's funding going on for Never Hike in the Snow and you can fund that there's a lot of cool perks and stuff like that you know we're not being paid to uh promote this like fundraising campaign or anything but Mm -hmm. we do think it's cool it is news and if you guys are fans of the franchise i mean i'm definitely going to donate i I suggest you guys donate yeah i'm gonna get that blu-ray yeah plus like for us it's not even about yeah we're not getting paid to like shout them out but like like we said we are a part of the horror community we're like diehard fans Mm -hmm. So if we see something that we like and we want it to get like known, we're definitely going to shout it out. Like, yeah, for sure. So guys go check out the, um, the page for that, where you can donate and everything. I believe it's on Indiegogo and, uh, yeah, stay tuned for more info on it, but we have a few trailers to go through. We'll go through these uh, pretty quickly here and then we'll get into our main segment. The first trailer, uh, is for the gallows act two. Hmm, Charlie, Charlie. Yeah, this one's coming out October 25th in theaters, on demand, and digital. And yes, it is going to be a follow-up to The Gallows, uh, which, you know what, I a lot of people shit on it. Um, I found it okay, but I was just disappointed because I think it had a lot more potential. And this trailer actually doesn't give away too much. Looks like it's going to go at least somewhat away from the school a little bit away from the found footage thing, but not entirely one of those. It looked <laughs> like you can easily spoof it, though, like if you were going to make a... Because, like, so the Gallows Act 2, I thought that premise was going to be, like, our second trailer before we even saw the second trailer. Like, they were fucking around, they were lying about it. The, that's why everything started shaking and swinging, because, like, mm-hmm. in a lot of horror movies that are not cliche, that doesn't happen. Like, the the shaking of the floor and then like candles swinging like it's just like really subtle little things that add to like the tension but this one was just like nope it's haunted for sure like right yeah i I don't know i mean i thought it was gonna be bogus at first like all right guys nice footage nice footage it it looks already like it has a little bit more potential than the first film um you know from what we did see it looked okay like the cinematography and stuff looked all right uh i don't know how i feel about it going completely away not completely but going away somewhat from the found footage thing and trying to be one of those hybrid style horror films it it could work it might not work depending on if the story is shit or not yeah you know like if they execute it properly the way that it looks it looks like some unfriended slash paranormal activity slash ouija type of stuff yeah so i mean I guess it's going to suck if you're like one of those artsy people that are looking for something deep. Like, it has to be experimental horror to be good, man. <laughs> like, 
Or if you're just trying to sit down and see some demons and ghosts and like get some nice jump scares, yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, the first one was pretty much like that, so I think this one probably is going to be the same thing, especially since it's con- concerning these, you know, dumb teenage kids. Really reminds me of the first Ouija. Yeah, like kind the of. vibe. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. So yeah, guys. I mean, if if you enjoyed the first one, or if you check out this trailer and you think maybe <laughs> uh, it's coming out October twenty fifth. The next trailer is called The Cleansing Hour, and this one is coming to Shudder in 2020. We don't have a firm date yet, but this is going to be an exorcism-style one with kind of a unique concept. It looks like The Last Exorcism, even the premise. Let's be real. If The Last Exorcism wasn't found footage and it was just a regular movie, it would be this. Yeah, so essentially The Cleansing Hour is about this, uh, like, web podcast uh, it's like video. I guess they like live stream these exorcisms, quote unquote. Yeah, but you learn that they're like very obviously like staged mm-hmm. behind the scenes and everything. And then, of course, it, you know, of course, there's like a real demon, and then they have no to like way. exercise. Are you it. telling me that there was a real demon? There was a real demon. There. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, that part seems like oh, that's kind of a dumb twist, but. It looks cool. Um, it seems like there's going to be some decent practical effects, maybe even some decent CGI, and it looks like it's going to be isolated to this like studio. I like which that. Is cool. See, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, the last Exorcism wasn't really isolated. They were traveling around and like walking through like the forest and shit. Like at yeah. one point, and it's like, ah, and then they find a ritual, and it's like, ah, yeah. that's cool. But like, I really enjoy these like isolated just for fun movies, like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Possession of Hannah Grace, all those type of things. So it, it amps up the the tension for sure. And this one looks even smaller. It's like this one room almost, like it's confined to. Uh, I wonder if we're gonna see anything outside of that, but we'll see. So that aspect actually looks kind of cool. I mean, imagine being stuck in with a fucking demon in just like this room or something, and you can't get out or whatever, you know. So, um, so yeah, that one looks cool. Again, twenty twenty on Shutter. And we'll let you guys know once there's like a firm date. And the last one is coming to Netflix October 4th. And this is another Stephen King adaptation uh, of a novella along with his son, Joe Hill, called In the Tall Grass. That one looks pretty interesting. Uh, It does seem like some Stephen King shit. I mean, hey, something's going on. What's going on? I don't know. Let's just keep doing things and figure it out. That's. (laughs) This type of movie that is. Yeah, kind of. So from what it appears like, this uh, couple pulls over on the side of the road for some reason. It looks like the woman is pregnant, so maybe she was, you know, having some labor pains or had to throw up or something. I don't know. But there's this, like, almost endless field of really tall grass, and they hear some, like, boy's voice from it saying, help me. And so, of course, they go into this tall grass after him, and then crazy shit starts happening. They get, like trapped there or something but uh the trailer kind of offers a, a pretty cool atmosphere in my opinion kind of like darker yeah like serious in tone like pumpkin headish. yeah it's just dark like for the like three quarters of the movie i want to see or three-fifths of the movie for sure and you know it seems like it's gonna try to like kind of give you anxiety with them being lost in the in the grass and everything which which can definitely be anxiety i think it's more of that like fear of the unknown like we don't know what's in the tall grass mm-hmm. as they tried to like allude to in the trailer like the little kid was like Shh, and then no one moved and then mm-hmm. this lady moved and then saw another lady in the grass and was like 
Yeah, you know, so. yeah, definitely some supernatural factors. Um, maybe like some interdimensional shit or something. Patrick Wilson's in it, so I'll probably watch it just for him anyway. But it actually looks like it, it has a decent potential. So again, October fourth on Netflix for that one. And that's gonna do it for all the news and trailers this week, guys. Uh, there's there's been a lot as always, and we've been away for a little bit, but uh, we're coming back now. Take a minute, uh, go pee or do whatever you gotta do. Unless you're back. unless you're driving, then close right. your eyes for ten seconds. Yeah, don't you know, pee. Get get excited. Let's see what it's like. Ten seconds, you can't see the road. No, oh, play that game. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Give me like five seconds. Do it. No, but uh, we'll be back in just a sec with our review of Tigers Are Not Afraid. Stick around. All right, fiends. So this week's discussion is going to be about Issa Lopez's debut feature film, Tigers Are Not Afraid. And this one, uh, we, we referenced Del Toro earlier, definitely has a similar kind of vibe uh, because Tigers Are Not Afraid is about this group of orphan kids who are trying to escape not only Mexican drug lords, but also the ghosts of their past. And this one's definitely presented more of like a, uh, like a fairy tale with some horror elements and some drama. And it, it plays definitely similar to a del toro film so why don't we get that comparison out of the way here first yeah because anyone who watches this if you know anything about these type of movies the very first thing is you're gonna think oh del toro but just just put that aside Mm. and just focus on the story focus on what's going on a lot of shit going down over there in mexico so this little girl and her whole class and her teacher jump down to the floor while there's like a school shooting. Reality check doesn't only happen in America. Right. Uh, and then her teacher gives her three pieces of broken chalk saying, you know, here's three wishes. Yada, yada, yada. You see the girl go home. She has like a flashback of talking to her mom or whatever. She's like, I want that bracelet. When can I have it? And the mom's like, basically, when I die. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of dickish. I mean. I don't care what I'm wearing if my grandma gave it to me or whoever the fuck. If my kid's like, I like your necklace. Can I have it? I'm like, sure, here. It's my kid. You know, here, take it. What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. And then uh, she like runs away from home because she doesn't want to be there because her mom is dead. And then uh, she starts hanging out with these like ne'er-do-well boys who like steal Mm. pistols and cell phones from like crime, like organized crime members and stuff. Yeah. It, It all goes like, it's kind of slow-paced when you think about it. Like, there's a lot of, like, exposition and stuff, but I didn't ha- see anything too wrong with the movie. I like how it unfolds. Mm. I just wish there was, like, a little bit more horror elements besides, like, creepy faces and, you know, poltergeists. Yeah, I, th- I think definitely the horror stuff is supposed to be more, like, realistic, which it definitely is. I mean, this movie doesn't really play around with, you know trying to be like pc or trying to really like cater anybody's feelings or anything like that it's it's pretty raw and it's pretty straight up and yeah i think you know isa lopez was really trying to portray that horror more through the realistic stuff and you know the the whole the, the specters and all that kind of stuff is really just supposed to be representative of 
the people that are lost and the people who, you know, died before their time in this like terrible drug war and everything. And, um, you know, and, and mixed with that fairy tale stuff, because before the, the shooting and everything at the beginning, we see, uh, the, the main kid of the orphan group shine and he's doing like graffiti and, you know, there's like the tiger that's the moving tiger. really, yeah. Central theme. Yep. Essentially. So, you know, we see that kind of stuff. So we are already are led into seeing this as sort of like a fantasy with these like magical elements and everything. And the tiger represents, you know, basically that, that bravery, that courage and having to kind of like stand up and rise above your fears and everything. And that, that's really kind of the, the whole gist of this film as these kids are basically fighting against a Mexican like cartel <laughs> essentially. And one um, of them is like running for office. Yeah. We, we won't, dive too much into into that you know without giving spoilers but um but yeah it's a whole thing these kids get caught up in this and you know it it probably can really happen i mean not, not in this way obviously but you know this is meant to be something that like happens every day in in real life like down in mexico and whatever with the drug war you know kids really become orphans because of shit that happens like this and, you know, I, th- I think the movie does a pretty good job of, like, making us realize that, but also keeping us kind of in check with all the fantasy and fairy tale elements and everything, which is good. I mean, um, we see uh, Estrella, who's the, the lead girl, um, you know, it- it's kind of hard to determine, but this is really like her fairy tale that's kind of playing out because in the beginning we even overhear her kind of telling this story as like a fairy tale yeah um and with the three wishes and everything i thought that was a cool plot element where it was the wishes because that keeps kind of driving home that fairy tale element and everything like that's something that could definitely be present in a fairy tale oh yeah. you know but it's also kind of relevant in real life too because real life in a shitty situation you're always like damn i wish this i wish that yeah it's just really escaping reality yeah and creating your own in a sense i guess yeah i think that's definitely a big big factor here but we we see throughout you know we won't go too deep into it but yeah i don't want to spoil it if people are actually planning on watching yeah but don't expect like a gritty terrifying atmospheric mm -hmm. horror movie it's like a sociological like message you know yeah at least about that part of the world where people seem to like turn a blind eye to all the horrors that are going down on there and what people really have to do to survive down there and like the type of courage you need to really live in an environment like that. Yeah, absolutely. And we even see, I was going to say the, the wishes kind of don't go always as smoothly as, you know, as she plans. And I'm not going to expand much more than that, but, uh, it's definitely got kind of that depressing air to it just because, you know, you, you still kind of can't help but think in the back of your head, like, Oh, this is, this is really kind of happening out in the real world. And, you know, people are really losing their lives over shit like this. The thing that I kind of liked was that it, it wasn't too, like, big in scope. Yeah. You know, because even though this was about, like, you know, kind of below the surface about the drug war and everything like that down there, you know, we really only just kind of saw it from the perspective 
of this group of orphans and like a few of these gang members you know so even though it was just that and everything else was really just like desolate and everything you know it, it kept it focused and confined and it wasn't like this huge crazy plot so i actually like that yeah and the, the runtime was like an hour and 28 minutes too yeah. not counting credits it was about an hour and 25 24 minutes i want to say mm-hmm. much less longer than Belzebuth, for example yeah it chapter two it chapter one yeah it chapter two for sure it was like an hour like you more. said i think the fact that their scope was so narrow for this and that they didn't touch upon like every other member of the community is what really like really made this movie like a lot more enjoyable than like other movies like i said even like the the plot and like the way it unfolds we were talking about del toro this really reminds me of devil's backbone yeah like this seems like a homage to that for sure i mean that movie you said though earlier when we were talking before the podcast modern day though yeah because that movie dealt with these like orphan kids and everything too just in a different was del toro an orphan you know what i I, because all his movies are about orphans yeah maybe i'd have to look into that actually i don't know that if you guys know that let us know but um i wouldn't be surprised actually but yeah you know that movie dealt with these orphan kids too but in a different time period and during the beginning really of like the spanish civil war it's not even set in mexico but you know definitely draws comparisons for that wartime horror stuff yeah and i was actually reading like a couple articles really skimming through them really but you know a lot of them talking about how like world war one really actually kind of caused uh a lot of what you would see in like horror movies that started coming out around that time like the the phantasms and everything like those kinds of figures and entities and things like that that were portrayed supposed to be indicative of like all the soldiers that lost their lives in the war and everything like that which is really interesting um so i think that that's kind of why these movies about like this subject matter kind of take that shape you know, with all the with all the ghosts and the fantasy stuff and everything like that. So, I mean, that that was pretty interesting. But um, going back to like the runtime, too, I I liked the runtime, um, and I actually thought the pacing was actually not too bad. Maybe during some of those scenes where they're like just was, talking. And yeah, stuff. I was gonna say there's a lot of scenes of just talking where like nothing really happens, but they don't drag on. No, there's just there's a lot of exposition though with like the camera and then what's in the phone what's the footage oh no we gotta tell what's her name hey look look what's in here yeah but Mm. you know i mean apart from that like obvious plot progression stuff um some of it was okay because i actually liked the character development between like the kids and everything you know as they kind of like took on estrella and everything like that was that was pretty well done made the ending kind of more sad yeah what happened to those two kids that ran away we never knew their fate oh yeah I guess you just assume they got stuck somewhere else, but you know, I I don't know. I, I thought that their bonding and everything was good. I think the fact that they weren't really actors also yeah. kind of helped that because they probably bonded on set, you know, they became friends through just acting together. So yeah, I mean the, the actual cast list, not super extensive in this movie. And I think the kids at least never really had any prior acting experience. So that just makes it more natural to me, honestly, with like the setting and I like that, yeah. the drug war and everything as the backdrop. Um, Cause yeah, they were, I mean, they probably had to like really act scared as fuck, you know? So yeah, that was, that was good. Um, 
other elements, score, cinematography, what did you think about those? Uh, I didn't hear anything really that stood out for the score. I thought the cinematography was really nice, especially like for an independent movie. It seemed like a, more like a Hollywoodish movie, mm. like to me solely just because of the cinematography. From the beginning, you could tell the cinematography was going to be superb. Like there were like extremely nice shots. There was no like shaky camera, no like fucking from the floor up angles looking down at looking up at people. Mm-hmm. That annoying shit you see on those sci-fi channel movies. So yeah. I think I think the cinematography was great. I don't remember the score much. Uh, the acting was great, as far as I can tell. I don't know, like, in Spanish, how Spanish people would view this, if good acting or not, because, like, yeah, can't really tell when it's, like, in a different language, honestly, if that's if people how people would react to certain situations. Uh, yeah. Like, the kids' chemistry, there was a lot of character development for such a short movie, and I just wish it was, like, scarier. You know what I mean? I know it was supposed to be more of, like, a fantasy crime drama, but still, yeah, I can- it's on Shudder. I do agree to an extent, but um, I also was trying to approach it as, you know, like from these kids perspective. And I mean, everything that happened to them would have been really terrifying, even though these kids were kind of like hardened by the streets, at least like the group of boys, um, you know, that would still be, that would still be kind of a, a crazy situation to be in. And the, the stuff that we saw with Estrella, like the, the horror stuff, I mean, we could talk about that at, at length but you know then we'd be getting into like spoilers and things like that but yeah i thought it was okay um there were there were a couple pretty creepy scenes you know but again i think that the the whole drug war backdrop and everything with the gang was really supposed to be more of like the vehicle and the rest of it was just supposed to be kind of like her how she experienced everything you know what i mean um but I still found some of the scenes cool with like the ghost. I won't say who she was or anything, but um, there there were a couple of pretty cool scenes. There were a few kind of cliche uh, scenes like at the house with her shadow. Yeah, but even those I think were okay. Like the angle was was low and it was kind of like a wide at that one point. That was kind of cool. But um, yeah, overall I would have liked maybe a few more scenes. I think it was good for me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, the acting and everything was good. I I liked it just from like their reactions and the body language and how they interacted and everything. I yeah, it seemed it was, like it was real. Yeah, you almost forget that you're watching a movie with these like foreign films because like the actors like seem more passionate because like they're not too distracted by the amount of money it's gonna make. Like over here in America, all the actors like put all these dollar figures and what they think they're worth. That's why I'd rather see people who are like really passionate about a project, especially in the horror community, to just act it all out and not be concerned with. I mean, sure, you know, don't get paid less than you're worth, but, like, you know, I'm saying to the famous actors, you know, mm-hmm. fuck it, if you like horror, join a project where you're not going to make that much money and just be in the horror film, get get them some notoriety if you're a real fucking fan, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, I was thinking, like, damn, would Johnny Depp play Barnabas in Dark Shadows on CW50? And I thought about it, it's like, no, he wouldn't, because they wouldn't be paying him what, yeah. what he'd be asking for, and it's like, well, that's fair, I guess, but... Why not just play the fucking character? I guess if he gets called for another movie role, it's going to be difficult and stuff like that. Well, I don't know. Like I said, that's why horror movies from like other countries seem more passionate. They don't really seem concerned about the money. They just seem like really focused on doing what they're doing. You can tell they're appreciative of the art. So yeah, stuff like this too, you know, Issa Lopez actually. Yeah, it's your subject matter, obviously. Yeah. And you know, her, her mother actually, I believe died 
when she was younger and you know she grew up in mexico and everything so estrella was like the embodiment of her emotions and Kinda. maybe like a maybe like a metaphorical representation about what she had to go through without a mother yeah i think i read that um you know she didn't really approach it as like a personal story but someone kind of mentioned it to her like yeah this is like your story and she was like oh wow you're right but also i think you know it's it's pride for her country but also kind of an observation of it in the midst of this drug war and everything so i think it's kind of a mixture of of all that stuff but it definitely feels like you know she made this movie for a reason yeah it's like an informative piece about like what kids go through in like countries like that and stuff they can't shield themselves from that Mm -hmm. they'll eventually have to face probably if they decide you know to live the way that they live over there yeah i mean not that they have a choice you know if you're born in like a really poor area with like you know drugs is the focus i mean unless you find the way out of there you're really going to be stuck there you can't really just work your way around that unless you dabble in some stuff too you know so it's rough yeah and you know i mean there we didn't talk about it because it's kind of like a little spoiler but there was like a scene with with some authority in it and it was kind of an eye-opening scene yeah even the authority didn't want to like touch what was going on right so yeah it's it's tough for sure i mean there are parts of this movie that i mean aren't like necessarily hard to sit through but they can definitely be a little shocking to watch and and witness and kind of realize like oh man this is kind of like really you know what people are going through down there but um yeah it's heavy for sure but i ultimately found it really enjoyable i thought it was a good film I guess you can argue about the horror stuff. Yeah, I agree. There could have been more of it. It could have been a little bit scarier. Um, but, you know, looking at it from the kid's perspective, definitely some scary stuff in it. And uh, I recommend it. I, I, I would probably give it like an eight and a half out of ten. It was a solid eight out, of, eight out of ten for me. For me, it's like I'm not really into those like crime fantasy movies. Like mm-hmm. I like Devil's Backbone, but like I don't want to watch it again for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> And then I watched The Orphanage, and it was kind of similar vibe, just a little bit more depressing. Not so much about the war, more about, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, spooky ghosties. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't pass on this one unless you're looking for, like, a straight horror movie. Like, yeah. if you want a straight-up horror movie, don't watch this. If you want to watch a good movie, just in general, you should watch it. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say for you're sure. You're just one of those assholes. I don't like to read <laughs> subtitles when... You're a piece of shit, and I hate you. Don't <laughs> yeah, fucking read anything, then. I guess it's not for, for you. I fucking hate you. one of those people. I never really understood it either. But, yeah, if you want, like, a brain-dead horror movie that's not foreign, then I guess this isn't going to be your cup of tea. But this is definitely a good film. It's it's heavy on the subject matter. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty dark. But it's really well done. You can tell that everybody who was involved in it, you know, uh, really was passionate about it so um yeah i dig it tigers are not afraid go check it out if you have shutter which you should and uh, that's all i have to say about it i think uh, we pretty much covered everything we needed to cover so. yeah we touched every base we need to cover that's a home run there yeah for sure so go check it out guys let us know what you thought about it um and you can also talk to us about all the news articles and trailers that we talked about earlier hit us up on facebook instagram and twitter by just searching Grave Discussions or Grave Disc SRD on Twitter. 
and check out the website gravediscussions.net as well. We just put up a new Cult Corner article and we're going to be having a new Chopping Block article coming out pretty soon. So bookmark it. Yes, and hopefully, so it shipped out yesterday. I just checked. So hopefully we can watch Candy Corn Mm -hmm. by next week and maybe cover that one. Yeah, be on the lookout, guys. Because you know us in those Halloween-centered movies. We're going to be talking about them all October long, from Halloween Town to Night of the Demons to fucking, what's what's another fucking? Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat, Halloween, all of it, everything. So make sure you stay tuned next week, the week after that, and the week after that, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one on Grave discussion. <laughs> We're gonna be carving pumpkins. This has been an SRD production.